Hi everyone, I'm Yasin Skali and welcome to this new season of Entrepreneur Talks, Station Nev's official podcast. Twice per month, we will offer an exclusive conversation with one great entrepreneur or personality. Together, we will analyze the keys to their success and understand the different struggles our guests faced. They will share their tips and the ones they wish they had before launching their own company. Don't hesitate to subscribe, share and leave a 5-star review so we can help democratize entrepreneurship. Enough talking, now sit tight and listen carefully because you're about to get inspired. Hi everyone, I'm Yasin, live from Station F, the world's biggest startup campus. And today I am thrilled to welcome a new guest uh, for this new podcast. Today I'm with Lionel. How are you, Lionel? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. Uh, we are live in Station F in person, so you can find us in the videos. Anyways, I have one first question. What kind of mindset, mindset sorry, are you in at the moment? Um, I am very focused. You mean in the company or in general? No, I mean right now. I mean right now. And I want to have like your full attention and energy. Yeah. Are you with me? I'm 100% with you. Um, I think I'm a, in a pretty happy mindset right now. Yeah? Yeah, it's sunny. We're in Station F where we were born actually as a company. This is the first place I arrived when I came back from London. I arrived in Paris. Mm -hmm. And now, almost four years and a half later, we're together and we're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff. So, And you still have a pass here. So you don't want to leave Station yeah, F. <laughs> yeah, I always come back to Station F. It feels like for the past four years and a half, uh, it's been... Um, I, I, sp I spent... I'm wondering if I didn't spend more hours here than, than at, at my place. House. Yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah. Um, so... You teased us a little bit. I think you have like great news to um, to tell us today in this podcast for the next 45 minutes. But first of all, I'd like to know what are we going to talk about? Who are you the co-founder of and CEO of what company? Sorry. So um, so I'm Lionel. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Neoplants. Um, and we're, we're working on the first generation of plants that are bioengineered to fight air pollution. So um, the first problem we're tackling is indoor air pollution. Okay. which is two to five times higher than outdoors. Um, that was a question I was about to ask. Okay. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's due to a specific type of pollutants we can find indoors that is called VOCs or volatile organic compounds, which come from a lot of things we have indoors. Paints on the walls, pieces of furniture, all sorts of products that you use on a daily basis constantly emit these pollutants. Okay. They're very hard to get rid of. And the problem is chronic exposure to these pollutants um, has a lot of health consequences, asthma, allergies, cancers, millions of premature death every year. So we're developing plants that are bioengineered to not only capture these pollutants very efficiently, but to use them as carbon source. So they recycle them, if you will. Um, I'm about to say very clear, but because I already know a bit about the startup and the value proposition, uh, but I'm going to give you like, um, how can I say, a little challenge. You're an, a non-technical person and I am also a non-technical person, you're leading a deep tech company. I'm just wondering, like, uh, can you explain to us, yeah, the genesis of this company and basically how did you get this idea and where is the innovation? Yeah, that's a lot of questions. Uh, how many hours do we have? No, no, uh, so I have 45 <laughs> minutes, but okay, okay. I'm pretty sure you're going to make it in like a few minutes. Yeah, so... <laughs> no pressure. So um, about, you know, how we, how we started... Um, we started here, so 
I met with my co-founder Patrick, who's a PhD in genome editing, um, in an incubator called Entrepreneur First, where they basically put together a bunch of scientists and specialized engineers mm-hmm. with people like me, who, as you say, don't have a technical background, but have a particular taste for complicated stuff. <laughs> um, and they start companies out of that. So uh, how we got the idea, um, well, I before starting the company, I spent four years and a half uh, at Google, mm-hmm. uh, where actually I... I knew your sister who was working there. Family uh, affair. As well. <laughs> and, um, and so I left that and I, you know, personally. Pro- product marketing you were yeah, doing Yeah, I was there. a PMM there. Okay. Yeah, product marketing manager. Uh, worked on various different products from hardware to software. And I was working on the launch of these products in the EMEA region. Yeah, um, okay. And um, I, was, I was quite frustrated at Google. I mean, it was super stimulating for me intellectually. Uh, it's a fantastic company for that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, I I was very often under the impression I wasn't necessarily working for something good. Uh, and I think I'm a typical millennial when it comes to that. And I really wanted to, I was ready to work a lot and spend a lot of time and energy, uh, you know, building something. But I wanted to do something that made sense for me and would have positive impact. And Patrick on his side has just, he had just finished his PhD. Okay. Um, from you know one of the best uh, academic place here in Europe, um, and UNS, Ecole Normale Supérieure, and so he had this drive to show people the power of genetics uh, for good, for positive impact, and he had this initial idea of building an organism with a function, which at the time in you know 27 years of exp- of uh, life mm-hmm. never crossed my mind. It's never something I thought about an organism with a function and you know i was like yeah well any organism has a lot of functions he was like no 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 this is not the idea what if you could choose the function what is what if you could choose the feature of that organism which okay. i still find is a mind-blowing idea and so we we were here in station f there's a lot of plants out there and i was like okay this is you know it's fantastic iconic organism what kind of functions can it, can we give to that and very instinctively we thought well, if this could, you know, purify the air at Broad, so that was like amazing. just to understand that was the first idea. Yeah, that was the first idea. And why did you tackle that through plants and not, uh, I don't know, like yeah, yeah. organisms, yeah, we, so, living organisms? No, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a good point. Actually, the way we looked at it was how can we tackle? So then we looked at the problem in depth, right? Like, and we started with indoor air pollution before talking about outdoors, which we can talk a, a we lot will, about as definitely. well, uh, is the next step for us. But we looked at indoor air pollution, which is a very specific problem, but that touches, you know, everyone, roughly. In big cities and in remote, in remote places is the same because it comes from the things we have indoors. Mm-hmm. So we looked at this and we're like, okay, what is the, how can we tackle this with biology, with nature? That's the question we ask ourselves. It was almost like a first principle approach, which is, Okay, here's the problem, and we're going to look at it in a very uh, detailed way. Mm-hmm. How can we solve this with biology? And so now we work on two things. We worked on the metabolism engineering of the plant. So if I'm talking to a non-technical person, I would say it is as if we were recoding the mm-hmm. plant. The plant, just as a website, has a source code, right? That code is basically uh, four letters, uh, which code for, you know, the, 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 
the the raw material uh, of this code is the DNA molecule. Right? I was about that's, to ask. That's what the we full work letters with. is exactly. for DNA. Okay. That's what we that's what we work with. So first feature is really recoding the metabolism of the plant, how the plant works. Mm -hmm. And the second feature, coming back to your point, is the microbiome uh, bioengineering. So the microbiome meaning the microorganisms that live outside and inside the plant, just as us, right? Uh, we have uh, microbes outside and inside of our body that help us function. The same for plants. So we have this kind of holistic approach. It's the plant met metabolism itself plus the microbiome plus actually the shell uh, that is kind of the planter of the product. The combination of those three features enable us to have a biological system that is very powerful at not only capturing, but eliminating these pollutants. And how do they eliminate it? So <laughs> the, way, the way things work is, so if we talk about the first feature, the metabolism engineering, what we do is we look in nature for mm -hmm. organisms that already exist that are able not only to uh, survive uh, in very highly polluted areas, but to grow in the, and to live in these areas. So we look at these organisms and we try to understand, okay, we look at the code, uh, their DNA code, and we try to understand, okay, what features in that code enable them to survive and to thrive in those environments? So uh, adaptability, you would say, at this moment? Adaptability is basically what, what happens if we go just one level deeper is they use these pollutants as a carbon source. So they use these pollutants to grow, if mm -hmm. you will. Okay. And so this is, I mean, it's fascinating. It's like you take the, the, the worst things that, you know, the worst compounds and chemicals that no... No one knows what to do with. And these organisms, which are very often called extremophiles, so they live in places that are super, high, uh, super highly polluted, they manage to take these pollutants and turn them into useful stuff, which is crazy when you mm -hmm. think about it. And so plants uh, don't know how to do that. So usually the plants, normal plants, would take sometimes the pollutants in a very inefficient manner And they would then accumulate these pollutants in their cells, which is a problem. At some point, there's saturation die. and they don't take in anymore. Mm -hmm. So we look for this code, we adapt it for the plant, put it inside the plant, and then the plant develops those capabilities. So a normal plant can take CO2 uh, out of the air mm -hmm. and use it as a carbon source. But our plants can take CO2 and the pollutants as the carbon source. So you can throw as many pollutants as you want to them. They will just uh, use them and recycle them to grow, which is, um, at least I find, uh, you know, very beautiful and it is and very hopeful uh, for for the future. So, and in addition to that, the microbiome itself does the same um, mm -hmm. and helps the plant uh, perform really well. Um, I think you took four years of research and developments. Um, Yeah, because you explained that really quickly. Like, yeah, for, you go from product A, you create product B, and then you get the C. That's what, uh, you know, the plant is fed from. Uh, I'm just wondering, like, how many tests did you do? And were those four years necessary, necessary Sorry, before uh, launching the market? Well, I mean, we look at the four years, but the, the reality is uh, there's way more. Okay. Uh, before that, right? Because yeah, a lot Patrick's of Patrick's PhD, I yeah, guess. Yeah, Patrick's PhD, but also a lot of, you know, uh, existing state-of-the-art research that enable us to have the tools to build what we do. And sometimes, you know, we 
we get inspiration from a lot of things that, that were done before to, to have a new approach to a completely different problem. So it's not just those four years. It's, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of breakthrough that happened before us that mm -hmm. enable us to even think about doing this kind of stuff. So you have a name that comes to your mind. Uh, there's many different labs that, that worked on things that uh, okay. are similar. Um, so you, you would say it's more like research and development rather than real business, you know, a company that created a product or a solution. Yeah, I think any deep tech company has R&D at the core of what they do, uh, uh -huh. which builds a lot of defensibility um, and enables the, the real product breakthrough. So what we had to do was take a bunch of things that were existing out there and um in you know in sometimes keep researching to make sure this was uh, good enough or ready enough and then it's pure development uh, and that takes a lot of time so uh how many tests did we do i mean depends what what we look at but if we take any test it's you know thousands and thousands Thousand, yeah. It's, yeah it's huge uh, i have one i mean a next question um So you finished four years of R&D. First of all, is that a lot? Because that's kind of what I asked before, but I don't think it's a lot to... to Not so much. No. ...create such a breakthrough Yeah, I think, I think a lot of... Uh, when we look at a lot of the deep tech startups in our space, so biology, synthetic biology, bioengineering, the, the timelines of the companies that are becoming like sizable today is more like in the range of 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, and our goal has always been to... You know, to say, okay, can we can we get something to market, you know, two times faster than anyone else? Uh, which is why we try to be very focused on one thing. We're, we're building just one product. We're trying to get it right, um, which is the biggest, I think, the biggest risk when it comes to deep tech. Why? Because you have we have 40 years of postdoctoral experience in our lab. Uh, there's a there's a great idea every month, right, or sometimes every week. Uh, you could fund seed rounds, you know, every every month for sure in this company. And it's not easy to say no, right? It's not easy to say, no, no, this is the product. We focus on this. We put the rest in the freezer uh, for now. Okay. And um, Patrick's um, thesis, how many people did have this kind of innovation in their hands? My question, a bit like more detailed, mm. is that seriously, no one had the idea, and we all know that the idea is one percent, and mm. execution is ninety nine percent, you know, of the of the worth of the company, yeah. the value of it. But no one had the idea that Patrick and 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 you had in Station F uh, four years ago. Yes, uh, some people had the idea, uh, but as you say, it's all about the execution. Uh, there's a lab that that worked on things that were very similar in the in the I don't want to say in the, the idea, let's say, I don't want to say the end product because the end product is very different, mm -hmm. but the idea was there, right? Uh, there's, there's this lab from University of Washington that worked and did some really interesting work when it comes to having ornamental plants, commercial plants uh, engineered to purify the end people's homes. Um, but the first, the scientific approach was fundamentally different. Um, okay. They tried to insert one gene. We insert complete uh, synthetic metabolic pathway. So it's the, the degree of complexity of what we do is is um, very different. But mm -hmm. also the you know the ambition in terms of performance uh, is also different. And the end product vision is also 
very, very different. Is it the business side that is lacking in laboratories versus nail plants? <laughs> I would <laughs> argue deep tech startups. I would argue there's a few things that are really lacking um, in the labs. Uh, first is um, having a very clear product vision uh, is is I think fundamental. You cannot get away. Uh, without this i think or or it will take you 15 years okay that, that's number one the second one which but I, y- you yeah. could iterate sorry to interrupt you yeah. but you could iterate no you know like at the very beginning from you know yeah. going from zero to one yeah uh, or maybe what you're saying is that you already have like a hypothesis that you want to validate at first so it's like you know not even talking about indoor or outdoor we're just saying like does it work with plants yeah i think iteration is tricky because as I mentioned, like the full iteration cycle is super long. So if you don't know exactly what you're building, you can't change your mind every, you know, every every three months, actually. You can't even three months, you can't really change your mind. You need to make sure, like you need to validate the product vision as early as possible and then you stick to it. Okay. Um, And you will iterate, you will make it better, but at some point you have to go for it and just make it happen. can't change your mind th- this is specific to deep tech companies or you would say this is general? i think it's very very specific to deep tech okay super specific because like a SaaS company can uh, every easily every day i yeah. would iterate every day if okay. i if i was a you know i come from more what i call now traditional tech um uh, <laughs> but you know i yeah i would iterate every day and sometimes i miss that a lot like the ability to iterate all the time um but you know, I think when it comes to radical innovation, um, you have to you have to have a, a strong uh, vision of what, what you want to do, and you need to crash test this as much as you can early on. Like, you know, when I, I remember the first six months for us was all about killing the idea. I, w- I was trying to kill the idea, so I would talk to anyone who was most competent to kill this. From a regulatory standpoint, from a scientific standpoint, from a commercial standpoint, from a production standpoint, from any angle, okay. I would try to talk to the people who could kill this idea in 30 seconds. I, w- I was r- literally looking for those people. It's a bit, no, sounds no, I, a bit uh, brutal. I think it's the best but, move. But that, at the end, you were like, this is a great idea. The last thing I did within that process was spending a few hours in the streets in Paris I started around Station F, but at some point I was like, this is biased. I need to go somewhere else. Uh, so I, I would go out. It was outside anyway, but I would go further. I would pick a random metro station and just spend an hour there. Um, and, and I would just pitch it to people, random people in Paris where people are fairly skeptical when it comes to genetics. But um, would they understand that? Like, could what? they in a minute understand the value proposition of Neoplans? At the time. Yes. Hi, Yassine. I'm Leo. I'm a co-founder of a company called Neoplants. We use genetic engineering to create plants that can clean the air in your home. Um, our product is equivalent to 10 regular house plants and can capture the four main pollutants you can find in your home. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this? Well, I feel that uh, our, I'm already using... I love this exercise, sorry. But I'm already using uh, air purificator. Yes. And I think it's working uh, already pretty fine. So what could you bring more? So there you go. And the fact that you, and I can, I can go back to your question, by the way, but people would engage. Yeah. And I would see that. I would end up, I would end up the day with a lot of emails. Um, people wanted to see this and wanted like, can I get one? Can I, 
And so, so market was I, mature. I wouldn't way. even stop in the street to anyone asking me this kind of stuff, right? Real and Parisian. So, and it was really, it was, uh, yeah, well, I'm not Parisian, but <laughs> honestly, I wouldn't stop, right? Okay. Um, but I, I could, I could feel that there was interest. There was, uh, there was attention, right? So, uh, after doing this, like for, you know, a lot of hours, uh, plus all the ID killing exercise before, I went to Patrick and I said, look, we have to build this. If we don't do it, someone else will. So, uh, it's up to us to decide, but couldn't kill the idea. So, and I'm, I think, I'm, I'm radical enough to kill an idea fast. So in this case, I was like, I, 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 I you know, I can't, I can't kill it. Uh, we have to build it. So here we are four years and a half later, the plants are growing. Um, honestly, I love it. Like, I think, uh, I think one of the best tips that you shared so far is like really trying to kill your own ID. And fast. if you, yeah. And if you cannot manage to do that, well, that means that you have something that is, you know, worth deep diving. Yeah, and I think it, it's you have to distinguish the. Of course, you have to crash test the technical risk, but when it comes to deep tech, there is a lot of uncertainty. It's part of the, it's part of the the beauty of the sport. It's like uh, I like to compare this with free solo climbing. Uh, free solo what? Free solo climbing. If you haven't watched the documentary Free Solo, this is what you should do this evening. I don't it's, have the ref. It's yet. it's climbing uh, cliffs, but okay. without ropes. What? Yeah, <laughs> some people do that. It's yes. crazy. Uh, but I think deep tech entrepreneurship is the same. I was about um, to say as crazy as building like, a deep tech company. So look, it's I think there's two types of su successful tech companies, which could be a uh, you know some people could disagree with that, but um, there is the type of successful companies who are going to break a record in an existing discipline, like uh, say the hundred meters uh, sprint, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you break the record, you're a fraction of a second faster than the other ones, and it's incredible. Uh, but there's a whole history of we know we can run faster, we know how to do it, and so on. The other type of successful tech companies for me are companies who do stuff for the first time, and no one knew if it was possible or not. And this is deep tech. Um, you have to embrace uncertainty, you have to navigate through that, through that and it's all the the skills and uh, the discipline and, and training, whatever you name it, that enables you to deal with it, that I think will make the deep tech companies successful. Um, and so, in our, you know, in our case, we didn't manage to kill it. And at some point, you have to go for it with the, the very clear list of risks that you have identified, the uncertainties. And over the years, the goal is just to bring each of them uh, as close as possible to zero uh, and it's a very long process but at the same time you know it's a uh, pioneering stuff you mm -hmm. no one has ever done that and it's you want to pay exciting the, the way for other startups maybe in the future we see a lot of uh, new startups coming out in plants bioengineering or in bioengineering uh, in general which i think is very exciting uh, for the field and, and for the future uh, it's it's amazing we should we should see way more of that unfortunately on the investment side, I think we're, we're still lagging behind a little bit uh, as a broad ecosystem. And we will discuss that in a minute. Uh, but first of all, to all our listeners, um, you're a non-tech person and you're the leader of like a deep tech company uh, you managed to do in 
two times short what a lab would have done. So congrats on the, on that. Uh, you just talked about like Earth's uncertainties or risks. What were they? Like were they related to the innovation or maybe saying, because what you said before is uh, either you improve a product or a market or you launch a new market. Yeah. Were there a market on the, you know, yeah. plants, you know, but good plants, you yeah. know, plants with a meaning, kind yeah. of. Yeah, plants with a purpose. That's, yeah. that's how we call them. Um, well, first, I, you know, I'm, I'm here, I represent the company, but I, I started everything with my co-founder, Patrick, who's the scientist of the duo. So I don't, you know, I, I if you see a deep tech company that Has doesn't no have CTO. a technical founder, yeah. I, I, I honestly... Big red flag straight away. Um, what I'm saying is I think having a duo or even three people, but I think a duo where you have very technical skills and you know non-technical non profile is, is, is a good combination. Sometimes you have founders who have both, which honestly is fantastic, um, mm -hmm. but it's very rare. Um, so, so I don't, you know, it's a teamwork and it's a pretty big and exceptional team and, and we say hi to yeah. patrick but the whole team and also. the whole team yeah for sure which is extraordinary um but um you know i think um actually what enables us to move fast coming back to non-technical the value of having non-technical non founding team mm -hmm. is the culture uh, the culture in our company is very different from academia and it's probably very different from a company where it was started just by PhDs okay. because PhDs come from academia. So that's their culture. Um, I spent four years and a half at Google, which is arguably uh, one of the tech companies that invented the tech culture as we know it, which is super high performing, uh, but also enjoyable and all the great qualities of, I think, those modern companies. Mm-hmm. And we try to fuse that with, you know, super highly technical environment, which wasn't easy. Honestly, I think the first two years was a lot of iteration and back and forth on how can we build a, a product culture within, you know, the world of bioengineering and, and how could we take those absolutely brilliant people from academia and, you know, put them in a context where they, they are really encouraged um, to have a different mindset and to have a different approach to their work. Mm -hmm. um, we have the type of scientists that by default, if you ask them a question about how can we solve this problem with biology, they'll answer, well, they'll come back to you and say, well, here's, here's 152 ways we can solve that. And I would say that those are the only ways we can solve that. And I'm going to test them all and tell you which one is the best. Now, this is academia. What we need to do as a startup to move fast is create the environment where these people are comfortable and have mm -hmm. the, the tools to say, okay, within those 152 ideas, those are the three that have the highest potential. And I make the decision to focus on these three. I take the risk to focus on these three to basically uh, uh, get to the result. And this is very far from academia, I think. Um, this is one of the because I was asking about the main risks yeah. that you took yeah. at the moment. This is one of them. It's definitely one of them. You have to make decisions. You can't do everything. You have to be very focused. But um, it's a bet at the same time. 
because you might be missing 149 other solutions. You have to choose, yeah, because we don't have 15 years. So we have, you know, if we have uh, five years to deliver a product, we have to make those decisions. Okay. So the risk is, you know, first lies in having the best scientific strategy. It's initially, is the biggest risk. Then we have, I mean, the list of risk in, in Neoplans is huge. So we have regulatory risk. We had market risk because, as you put it, you know, we're creating a new category, which is between a non-amental plant and a machine, like an air purifier. Mm -hmm. So what's the market for that, right? Um, there's a lot of... So there was the pure scientific risk. There is the regulatory risk. There is the sort of market risk. We want to... To create that category, we want to start direct to consumer. In the head of a lot of VCs, this is another risk to add. Um, we, we've put all the... You know, all the deep tech, B2C, uh. everything, we've put everything at the maximum. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is the way we we've always imagined the company. And and there's a reason for everything for a challenge, right? Yeah, well, that, that was that was a good one. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say those, those are those are pretty big risks for us. And over the years, you know, we have managed to de-risk uh, uh, progressively and, and you know, significantly all these risks. Uh, mm -hmm. And we keep moving. We keep moving. We have announced our first product um, about three months and a half ago, uh, which was uh, the reaction was way beyond expectations for now, which is I'm touching some wood. There's no wood anyway. Um, I think it's it, made of wood. Well, you know, <laughs> hopefully it keeps, uh, it, you know, it stays that way. Uh, it was really phenomenal and it gave a lot of energy to, to everyone in the team. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now we have to, we have to deliver the product in people's homes, and and that's, that's that, that will be a huge milestone. Well, huge I, milestone. actually, those are literally like the the two last topics I would like to address. Uh, I'm just reengaging on the you know on the risks. The biggest one that I could see, uh, apart from like obviously the innovation and the market, but it's also like uh, venture capital investments. Uh, and spoiler, <laughs> you managed to raise 20 million a few months ago. Uh, I feel that it's coming in the same, uh, you know, the same momentum as the market launch. And this is probably the worst moment to raise mm. funds as a deep tech company. How did you do that? And maybe like a second question in that is, um, I think since day one, you had also investors in the US. What was the purpose? So... I, I know there's been a, a bunch of articles saying that, you know, we just closed the round. The, 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 just want to put things uh, straight. Yeah, yeah. Um, Give us the context. Yeah, we like transparency and clear, being clear. And it's um, very shady yeah, well, <laughs> in our ecosystem. Yeah, I know. So we like super, we like clarity. So we raised 20 millions in total. Uh, we announced that at the same time as we announced the, the product. The last, uh, uh, the last round was happening in summer 2021, which was still a oh, you know, okay. good time for fundraising. Um, it was a $13.8 million round. Uh, but in total, we raised $20 million to date. Uh, that being said, um, yeah, we is not public information, but uh, we saw a lot of traction still uh, when we announced the first product. So we're, we're in a good position uh, funding-wise. And um, to, to answer the... You're not surprised on that? What do you mean? Uh, maybe 
were you like pessimist? No, it I was, wouldn't say it was pessimistic. Tougher. But no, I I could see that the conversations we it was different behaviors. So yes. let's say some were reluctant a bit. Or... Yes, like or some people would come and tell you, "Hey, we're interested," and then you would see reactions that I never saw before, like whether offering you terms that you had never seen before, uh, very aggressive, or completely changing their minds last minute, which again never saw that in our short experience. Uh, uh -huh. Never saw that before. Uh, very different behaviors, a lot of uncertainty in, in, in that sense. Um, but so about the U.S. investors, uh, that was the first round and it was in 2019. Okay. Uh, the time, you know, I like to say that we were like two people on a slide deck. We had, we had a little prototype, but, you know, it was mostly the, the founding team. Um, we started with European investors. Um, mm -hmm. It was a lot of the things we would get was you guys are out of any box. You don't fall in any category of companies that we deal with. And so we can't really, we don't really know how to deal with you, which honestly, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think was, was, was fair. I don't think it was right. I think it was just super, uh, um, destabilizing because you're like what does it mean like do you want just me to call myself uh, this category of company so that you can invest like, it's just so weird and also because i believe the job of venture capital is to evaluate you know any company that falls under a specific uh, general statement and evaluate the risk and see whether or not it's good investment yeah, so potential it was really frustrating and uh, someone who's a founder of non-technical non founder of a deep tech company Uh, who became a friend of mine uh, in between, um, told me, you need to go to Silicon Valley and you need to show them what you guys have. And 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 it's right now, it's a lot of technical risk and they like it. They so, were more receptive than us in Europe to this kind of innovation? Uh, that's the, at the beginning, yes. Suddenly we, we started having interest from silicon valley funds and then we started having uh, a few term sheets yeah, yeah everywhere so no surprise so, so it changed a lot um but what i saw if i had to summarize the the difference is i would pitch a three-year uh plan or vision mm -hmm. only in europe there they would ask me to start by the 15-year plan and i've always been a bit uh impressed by this which is what do you want to build for the long run And I think this is super exciting and super, um, I think that's how tech innovation should be funded, to be honest. And I know I'm biased because I'm the entrepreneur, I'm not the VC in the room, but that's how it should be. If you want to build, you know, long lasting, uh, impactful things, that's the mindset. It's like, okay, we'll talk about the three year plan later. What do you want to build? You know, are you here for the for the next five years? Because if it's the case, we're not going to have a big impact. What do you want to build in the next 15 years? And what do you want to build? It was, well, it was a big question. So at the time, what we said was, we start this company and it still hasn't changed like of an inch. We start this company because we believe that nature is the most powerful piece of technology out there. Mm -hmm. And we're just getting the tools to start working with it instead of just consuming it. Okay. okay. a basic principle and we say okay um our goal is to put nature at the heart of innovation to drive positive change and so right now 
The first product we want to introduce to market is a house plant that can clean the air in people's homes. And so we want indoor, to, okay. indoor, and we want to build the technology that enables us to do that, meaning to recode the plant and work with this microbiome to solve a specific problem at large scale. Once we have done that, we want to apply these technologies to other use cases. Number one comes to mind, climate change, specifically you know, carbon capture and storage. Can we have a biological solution to this, which I believe is necessary? I see all the money flowing into, well, I'm not talking about software, but we could, but mostly like mechanical, chemical solutions. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I've never seen the numbers or any proof that this is the right way to go. The only thing I see is it's by building this kind of machines that we end up in the exact place as we are now, which is a pretty messed up place. And I have the, the firm belief and all our team as well that biology has to be a part of the equation. And this is what we told them. We said, look, it's very frontier. But again, it's like building computers 45 years ago. This is going to change the world, like literally. It's very risky. Mm -hmm. It will take a lot of time and resources. But there is this percentage of chances that it works. And here are all the signals. And we want to be uh, driving this. So uh, here's the first step. And here's the long-term vision. And... And we kept moving uh, and we, we tried to deliver uh, on, on that promise. And uh, well, I think you're about to deliver the first product. So you mentioned it's, uh, let's say, three years vision is indoor, 15 years is outdoor. Maybe before that. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say, be more ambitious. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. But like, yeah, can you tell us just a little bit more about basically as a CEO, how is your journey changing in the recent months since you're commercializing so i guess it's a yeah. whole new different you know area and parameter yeah. of missions yeah everything changes um suddenly it's you are in you still enjoy yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean i enjoy <laughs> all the time i think it's a fascinating uh, adventure and we're very fortunate to be working on that cool uh so we give it 100 percent um but the now we're in touch with the market. So four years earlier, I was in the streets. Now it's, we're out there. It's, it's for real. Um, the plants are growing. We have a community of people who are following us, who are watching us. And we, wanna, we don't want to disappoint them. We want to show them and everyone that you know, we, can, we can make it. Because if we open that door, then there's many other things we can do. So the, the work has changed a lot. Um, I mean, I still have the previous part of the job, which is you know trying to to drive the team, trying to st stay focused, build that culture, solve all the problems that come up, you know, mm -hmm. every month, every week, every day. Uh, but now, in addition to this, there's a lot of conversations around production. Mm -hmm. No one has ever produced produced something like this. It's an ornamental plant, so that's the 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 part that is mastered, but. You know, yeah, it's a large scale. Plus, it's large yeah. scale, and it's a it's a it's a new type. Right. So, you know, who knows how we're going to deal with this? So we have to go through it. And, you know, this is the big scope of this year. There's regulation as well. Uh, what we do is regulated, which is absolutely um, the way it should be. Mm -hmm. But that's also a big new work stream. You know, how do we go through that regulation uh, successfully in a very transparent way? And then there's all the marketing topics, right? Like, how do you build a community? How do you engage them? Um, 
how do you position your brand you know understanding mm-hmm. your audience understanding the consumer journey so uh those are all very new topics of course i had some time to think about them uh you know in the past uh, couple of years but it wasn't the main focus and now suddenly it's becoming a, a big focus and i am hiring and marketing so please send yes. your resumes you can go on neoplans.com and take a look <laughs> and since we're in the in the how can i say the advertisement advertisement parts can you tell us for the people that are not patient as me where could we find it and how much will it cost today the waitlist is open on neoplans.com um the pre-orders uh the first batches of pre-orders will open in the next couple of months uh spans Um, but uh, unfortunately uh, for the people who are listening to us in France or in Europe uh, the first uh, pre-orders um, will be available only to US uh, citizens or people living in the US more exactly for those that are not looking and cannot see the video I'm just doing a no not no, happy. no no not no happy not happy we will do our best to start the... so here's the thing in the US the regulation process is scientific And it was updated actually in 2021. In Europe, there's the science, but there's a political element to it, which is another uncertainty so and another thing. That's too. the barrier? Yeah. Like, that's the limit? Oh, okay. 100%. okay. It, it, I thought you preferred the American. No, 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 us. no. We're, I mean, we are <laughs> like everyone. Uh, we, we're a French company. We're a European company. Uh, we'd love to be selling here, but we're, we're a young company, and so we have to be pragmatic. And within that, uh, the US is our first market. All right. So don't be surprised if I move to the US in the next month. <laughs> no problem. All right. sign, up, sign up on the wait list. And I will, definitely. Cool. And all American citizens, I invite you to do the same. And yes. should be the first to have the Neoplants. Is it going to be called Neoplants, the product? So the first product is called Neo P1. Neo um, P1. Yeah. yeah, P for Potos, which is the original species we work with. Okay. And one because it's the first uh, model. Other version makes sense. A little teaser for what's next. And to all the next, uh, the next models that yeah. we cannot wait to see. Um, yeah, very fast. I have like my last very quick questions. Um, first question, and thank you again for like uh, this roughly hour that we are spending together. Uh, you inspired me a lot, and I hope our audience also. So yeah, first question is very simple. Uh, but what would say? Would you say, sorry, that is the best quality of an entrepreneur? I didn't say if it's like deep tech company or not, but yeah, very broadly. Um, what comes to mind, I would say, is uh, courage, I think. Courage? Yeah. yeah. I, I want to say resilience, but I think a lot of people would call that. So courage is, is, is one that I think a lot about. Uh, maybe it's more valid in deep tech because you have to navigate the uncertainty. You have to make big decisions that sometimes have an impact over the next three years. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, I think, you know, knowing why you do stuff and sticking to it, it takes takes some courage. And I feel courage is very closely related to risks. So makes sense. Um, yeah. What's your unpopular opinion about tech investment or let's say green tech in general? Yeah. Very broad. So one thing that I said recently, and I know some people disagree with that, so I would use that is... I really believe that if you want to have deep impact, you need deep tech. And I know there are exceptions to this, but I still maintain that statement. And the reason why I keep saying it is because I think now, I think a lot of the the way we see innovation, and I had 
the debate with some investors uh, in France. It's like invest, you know, innovation is the internet. You know, it's digital. Mm-hmm. We need to get to. We need to move away from that. You know, I'm not saying there won't be great stuff happening on the internet anymore. I'm not saying that. I'm I'm 100% a kid of the internet. And I think it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I think we need just to to broaden the definition. We need to broaden our scope. And if the VC world is just led by people who believe that innovation is digital and internet, we're done. We're done. This is a messy world mm-hmm. that needs radical innovation. And we need investors who have the power, who have the resources to move away from that very old school way of always talking about the internet, always talking about software. Let's talk about other stuff. Let's go back to what are the problems that we have to solve and what are the types of companies we need to build to achieve that. It's very important that I think the private sector thinks about it. And it takes a lot of changes. It takes Mm -hmm. a lot of education and so on. But what I'm saying is deep impact, which is super needed, deep tech. And so we need to see the the appropriate changes happening to, to make this happen. Very clear. My last question for you, and I've been saying that for a lot, but this is the last one, I swear. Uh, if you had the, the ability to choose a board member that is, that is alive, dead, fictive or real. Um, so yeah, someone from movies or whatever, books, who would it be and why? Wow. Um, but that can be someone real if you want to spread a message. <laughs> wow, 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 okay. Difficult one. Um... I'm hesitating between someone uh, fictive who would have superpowers uh, or someone that existed. I think it's difficult. It's going to be controversial. Go. I love that. (laughs) It would be interesting to have. uh, I mean, it would be it would be crazy to have someone like Elon Musk at the board because he's probably the one person in the world building really complicated stuff and managing to deliver them mm-hmm. uh, i'm not i wouldn't bring him for anything else huh? <laughs> to be honest uh, it's not you know uh or all, all due respect uh, elon uh but it, 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 that's for this just from a pure rational standpoint you know he's the kind of guy that brought to the world crazy things in terms of complexity and um technical depth uh, you know this is this is really amazing and i think there must be a few secrets about the mindset the culture the the decision making process mm-hmm. that i think enables him to do that amongst other things yeah but i think that would be crazy and i know my co-founder is also a, a big fan of him big fan yeah. yeah and i'm pretty sure you're not talking about twitter but more like uh, tesla or some other exactly <laughs> I, I don't want this to be controversial that's yeah. why i'm justifying the rational i couldn't find another example but no no but i think you, you explained it really well like uh you know big innovations uh big markets and very how can i say heavy processes etc uh and i feel and it's a perfect end because the biggest asset the biggest uh, main characteristic of ellen should be his courage like going against the stream every time it's um it's mind-blowing honestly i i don't know how how it does it uh you know the story of spacex like you know all the the rockets were blowing mm-hmm. and it was just the company was gonna die and 
he put people in the room and he said, okay, uh, I looked at, I looked at the bank accounts and it, I think we can still have one more to go. Um, who's in? And everyone's like, okay, let's do it. And now SpaceX, you know, I mean, they, they made it fly. They got like a, whatever, $2 billion contract with NASA. And now they fly rockets for NASA. So it's, Amazing. it's very powerful story and showing that, yeah, courage or resilience uh, is just, uh, it's, yeah, it is mind blowing. Um, not sure that all that effort is put on the right things sometimes, but, uh, I, I, I think let's keep the good part. Yeah. We still have <laughs> to acknowledge the, the, the mindset mm-hmm. we started with that. I think the mindset is, is impressive, uh, and quite inspiring. So we need more of that. We're going to finish on those wise words. Um, thank you very much, Lionel. Thank you for inspiring us. I guess the message is really clear. If some people uh, are willing to, you know, change the world and have a vision and the courage, then yeah, just go and maybe reach out to Lionel if you need some advices. <laughs> At least I don't, I don't know if I have advice to give, but I will likely share my experience. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks Thank everyone you. who listened to us uh, until the end. And um, yeah, talk to you very soon for a new episode. Have See a great you. day. Bye. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening until the end. If you have enjoyed this episode, don't hesitate to let us know by leaving a review and sharing this episode with three of your friends. We'll be back in two weeks. Until then, we wish you great success in your projects and do not forget, it's a marathon, not a sprint.